0: I think we're celebrities, like in an existing fashion.
1: You're much more of a celebrity than I am, though, because well,
0: you've, you've had your
1: second big ABC celebrity moment this week, which I know that you're just dying to talk about.
0: Oh, man. So, in terms of, uh, you know, accolades for someone such as myself, it doesn't get any better than having your second tweet appear on the ABC program Q&A. Now,
1: is that... Was it two weeks in a row or
0: has there been a gap? I think there was a week off in the middle. Was that uh, when you were playing
1: Second Life or whatever the hell it was? You, uh, Civilization, Civilization 5. Same just thing. like Second Life
0: but with swords. <laughs> <laughs> I wish so any of my lives had swords. It's a tapestry of experience yep. I am living in. But yeah, I assume if I get my third tweet onto Q&A that I'll be immediately just called up by some kind of celebrity digital newspaper. And they'll just be like, could you please run us for free? (laughs) (laughs) So I look forward to that, I think. Could you just (laughs) run us for free? (laughs) Well, look, I think it says... I think we just got an episode title. (laughs) (laughs) See, what that says is that I am clearly telling the truth about having worked as a journalist because even in my wildest dreams, I assume that I will not get paid well for the work that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's legitimate. You've exercised quite a lot of situational awareness there. <laughs> <laughs> what we're willing to offer you is exposure. What did you t- What did For you your personal say? brand. My tweet was – and I'm really – like the first one was quite a salient point about politics, I thought. It was talking about the Labor Party needing to sort of rediscover itself after the sort of cataclysm that it's undertaken, Mm. which I agree with, but it's a bit dull. Uh, So, I was quite happy with the second one, which is effectively just a juvenile burn on the lips. (laughs) (laughs) And in such a way that if I was to tell you what the wording was, uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. Uh, I think it said – we can only support standardized rail sleepers that are straight. Oh,
1: I saw that one because I, <laughs> I was looking through your Facebook feed because I was up slaving over the keyboard editing together our last episode that went out while I was um, watching the telly. While you were watching
0: TV. Yeah, I got a tweet on the telly. And you
1: mentioned to me while we were chatting on on Facebook chat that you'd got a tweet on the telly and so I was looking through trying to figure out which one it was because I was not watching the show obviously. Yeah, I won't um, take that personally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look,
1: I bring that up because... Because you're a Republican. You've been playing Knights of the Old Republic. Segway, boom. Oh,
0: snap. Speaking of Republicans, I've been enjoying The Newsroom Season 2, which I I'm, watched
1: almost all of
0: on Sunday. <laughs> Take that roster.
1: <laughs> well, I'm only two episode, three episodes in, I think. One yeah. of the things I really like, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm asking you as if you were there. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really like about The Newsroom is because it uses events that actually happened and they've happened in the past and we know how it how it ends, you get this really sort of uh, different sense of suspense where you're sort of going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. But part of you already knows because mm. it actually happened – In the world. I think it's a really clever uh, storytelling device to use. And I'm trying to think of other shows that that do a similar thing, and I can't think of any off the top of my head because even the other stuff that Sorkin's done on TV has mostly been characterised or or fictionalised versions of real life events, whereas this is much more close to actual current affairs type of thing. I was thinking it's it's one of the things, because I took my friend Dave, who refers me to a lot of TV shows that I. Add to the roster. Um, <laughs> Which I watch in an orderly fashion. Correct. Yeah. Dave messaged me and said, oh, you've got to get on this newsroom show. I don't care what else you're watching at the moment. Because Dave knows that I'm you know, a bit selective about what goes into the roster. Yeah. And he said, you've got, to, you've got to watch this newsroom show. And it was just after season one had finished. And so I watched the whole thing in a, a day and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to put my finger. Obviously, I'm a little bit of a lefty. And so some of Sorkin's left-leaning views certainly appeal to me. But I was trying to think what what the actual appeal of the show is, other than the opening scene in the first season when it first kicks off. I think I've pinpointed what it is. I think it's that you've got this very different style of suspense where you sort of know what's going to happen, but you're not really sure how it's going to play out in the show. It's a really clever storytelling device.
0: I really enjoy it. I mean, I suppose the thing with Sorkin is I can't imagine enjoying his shows if your beliefs didn't align with his because he's so. Yeah, I don't imagine George Bush sits down and yeah watches and goes, "This is a pumps show out a wherever. few episodes because yeah. he is just basically." And I think. The reason I like his show so much is because our views clearly do align and also I daydream about having the ability to write a show which is just basically heaps of characters that are sock puppets just saying, and this is what Stefan believes today and the people will be like, <laughs> that's awesome, he's, he's right. But I've got this weird pastime now in watching a season of The Newsroom, enjoying the hell out of it, just really loving it and, and, in, and just it's great and then going on the internet and seeing that everyone else hates it. Everyone hates the newsroom. Really? I don't even get it. There was a thing on BuzzFeed like the other day. People that
1: we know or just Just the universe. Stream? Nah, I don't care about random like I go, strangers. New-
0: because, and this again, I don't want to imply that I'm a bit of a poindexter or anything, <laughs> but one of my favourite things about finishing a show that I've been waiting to watch for a while is finally being able to Google it and see what other people think about it and do read the reviews. I,
1: the first thing I do usually when I finished watching a movie is go and read the Wikipedia article on it. A- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any tips <laughs> when I watched The Wire? Yep, which I watched uh after the I think I think the whole thing was finished when I watched it or they were in the middle of season 5, but I think it was all done. Mm. And was just peripherally aware from the internet that it was the best show in the universe, and I remember getting halfway through it and it just and just fighting every fiber of my being because I was completely unspoiled, which has never happened before mm. with anything. Yep. And it took everything I had not to just go I'll just cheekily Google The Wire just to see what (laughs) happens. I just love it. I love reading reviews of TV I've just watched. Yeah, that's um, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I admire you for saying that.
1: Well, I'm I'm trying. I was thinking because I I drive to work down the, the Tuller. And they've got a massive Thor billboard, which is getting me quite excited on the drive to and from work. Yeah. One of the things that it sort of brought to mind, though, was this very depressing thought as I was driving to work on Monday of, am I actually just spending my entire life waiting for the next movie to come out that I can get excited (laughs) about? (laughs) Because I seem to – these movies seem to punctuate my life where we'll go, oh, we're waiting for – the new Superman movie And then that finishes And we go What's coming out next We're waiting for the Wolverine movie What's coming out next Well Thor's coming out um, <laughs> And it's not the first time I've had that thought either Where I've sort of Tried to do a bit of self-assessment And gone Are you a little bit too into this Because I can remember When the last Batman movie When Dark Knight Rises Was coming out Yeah I had this very distinct feeling of There's not going to be anything To look forward to After this movie comes out <laughs>
0: And this is it for me That's it, life <laughs> over
1: <laughs> Do you feel like that? Or is it just me? Am I, am yeah. I reading too much into this? I don't want to say
0: anything <laughs> uh, No, I've certainly had that many times Where I just am fit to burst with excitement That a new film's coming out Yeah, And it's strange I have had that thought like a couple of days before it comes out That I'm so excited that I could explode And what am I going to do the next day? Luckily, oh. I've never found myself gripped by the depression that I anticipate
1: <laughs> It was just because the Batman
0: movies were so good. Yeah.
1: And the thought of not having Batman again for ages. But now, of course, we're going to get... Uh, a old new mate, Batman. Oh, mate, Batfleck. Yeah. And
0: what do you think of the... Obviously, this is a symptom of the way that we record the podcast, that by the time we did a review of the Superman film... Yeah.
1: We're, uh, a, we're a little bit out of date by the time we we get published. Yeah. Which... I've also been thinking about just a sidetrack for a second because yep. we're so good at staying on topic anyway. I'm enjoying this episode already
0: because we've successfully introduced about 10 topics, which we can now and circle back in. on. Not off. really
1: gone into any depth on <laughs> yeah. any of them.
0: Another thing, Syria. What's that all about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, I've completely forgotten both trains of
0: thought. Uh, you said Batfleck and then... And then I was talking
1: about how we come out uh, two weeks later than...
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: I kind of like that because I think by taking some of the immediacy out of what we're talking about, you you get this sort of different perspective on it and looping back to the newsroom... Oh, snap! You sort of create this suspense where people people sort of know what we're going to talk about and, and certainly our friends who listen to this, and I don't know that we have a lot of non-friends that listen to this. But
0: I thought you were just going to say, and I don't think we have many friends.
1: (laughs) Well, we've got four or five, that's all you know. It's about quality,
0: not quantity. I've seen Friends, the show. Ross and Rachel, they're
1: friends of ours. They'll be there for you. That joke gave me diabetes. I even really know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) I just like it that it comes out two weeks later.
0: So do I. It's freeing, Uh, and certainly I enjoy the freedom of being able to talk about stuff but not feel like we have to capture the zeitgeist or something. Speaking of geek immediacy, that's what I want to talk about with the whole Ben Affleck as Batman announcement, Yeah, and I don't know what you think about it. I'm a
1: big fan of the jawline. I think that's going to look fantastic underneath the... Yeah, Cal and Is Kate. there a superhero called The Jawline? No that would be awesome be. You know who Ben Affleck would be really good at playing if they made a movie? Remember how a few years ago they were talking about doing a Masters of the Universe yep. movie And there was all talk about Brad Pitt's going to be He-Man and stuff like that Ben Affleck would make an awesome trap jaw He really would He would be fantastic All you'd have to do is just paint his jaw red yep. And he would be brilliant at it Just, It's yeah. the part that he was born to play But immediacy. So, Batfleet. Yeah. This is what you do to me <laughs> when I'm trying to make a point.
0: Wow, that's really aggravating. Yeah, it is. I think I probably had the same thought process that many nerds had when they went on the internet and found out that, you know, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman, right? I was like, oh, really? Yeah. And I think it's just that dissonance between we've been trained to expect a certain thing from Batman through the Nolan universe and yep. Ben Affleck isn't the same. Yeah. And I just think that makes you look at it and immediately go, oh, that's a bit... That's a bit shit. Mm. I've never seen the announcement. I've seen it purely through the like warped mirror reflection of Twitter of people just going, Oh, hey, Ben Affleck, he's going to ruin yeah. everything. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hashtag outrage. <laughs> but why are people so mad? In the time it took them to announce it, for me to get to the first screen of the day, yep. which is not long. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't take me long to get an illuminated screen in my face any particular morning. Yep. There was already a petition of people saying... You've literally ruined my life. Set fire to Zack Snyder's family. Yeah. Yeah. Where did, where did geeks get this sense of entitlement? Had I known
1: that this was going on, I probably would have got involved with it at the time, but Michael Bay got death threats over <laughs> a bunch of stuff he did in the Transformers film. Oh, really? Now, if I had his postal address, he would have got more than death <laughs> threats from me. But
0: I would have given him a slow motion I explosion think, or two.
1: I think there is a sense of ownership of a lot of this pop culture sort of stuff that... I can't necessarily explain it, but I feel it very strongly with properties like mm. Transformers, for example, um, where I was going, no, you have to do it my way because I know everything about this, and if you do it any other way, then it's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> do you think it's dangerous that it curdles into this, like, just white-hot outrage? I don't know if it's dangerous. I think you end up in a situation where, uh, if you, you read too much into that, we end up in a situation where, like when we went to see the Spider-Man film, and you said, oh, I don't want to see another origin story, and went into it expecting it to not be great because it was an origin story, and then it actually turned out to be pretty cool, so egg was on your face. Yeah, wow. I suspect that poor old Batfleck's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be a terrible thing. I think as much as I ragged on the the first Superman film, I think, and I, I hate to keep coming back to that because it, it makes it seem like a bit of a one-trek
0: podcast pony. A one-trek um, pony? A one- <laughs> we should have named, Sorry. One Trick Pony, the My Little Pony slash Star Trek fan fiction podcast. <laughs> Next project, locked. May God have mercy on us all. So,
1: you know, I think Zack Snyder's a, a reasonable filmmaker. No, he isn't. Okay. Carry on. Wh- what else has he done that you don't like?
0: He did The Watchmen. Oh, uh, okay. Which was beautiful but inert which is probably how i describe most of his stuff. Let's cut
1: this whole section out and let's go back and say... I I don't think that Batfleck's going to be that bad. (laughs) Both both of the Nolans are still involved with the film from a writing and producing point of view. So you'd have to think that they had some sort of part in it. I think that he's going to play... The other thing is I'm not sure where it's going to be set in terms of relation to The Dark Knight.
0: I have to assume that this is a standalone thing.
1: So you don't think it's going to have any ties back
0: to... Well, I don't think so, the otherwise Nolan he films? would have to be not Bruce Wayne Like I, I think Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy I hope it doesn't have anything to do with it cause, You don't um, want to see the tumbler. Well, I think you could do all that kind of crap um, The thing I liked about Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy Was its sort of self-contained yep. nature And even though at the end he's They set it up for sw- a follow-on Yeah, and he's sort of swimming away from an A-bomb and stuff mm. um, It's still a really realistic universe Yeah Um, I don't think Superman fits in that universe And the sort of inverse is true Like that Batman doesn't really belong in Man of Steel 2 It's just a whole different vibe
1: Hmm.
0: Would you like to see them...
1: I don't know that I would like to I think what you've said makes a lot of sense I just, I don't know I just, I guess I kind of assumed that they would be linked together in, in some way In that maybe mm. Batfleck is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character After he's been in the Batman role we, Maybe we assume that he, he picks up the Batman mantle As you see at the end of Dark Knight Rises And he's Batman for a while And then something happens in Metropolis And he's
0: off to help Superman And maybe Ben Affleck's an older Joseph Gordon-Levitt it could be a thing. I always... They're always talking about a Justice League movie and that sort of thing. And yep. and people are talking about when is DC going to start its shared universe a la Marvel. Yeah. As, uh, you know, I'm more a Marvel guy. But as yeah. someone who just likes comic book movies, uh, I'm just selfishly attracted to the idea of, you know, Marvel at the moment is doing a really good job of... Tying everything together and having that sort of comic books on screen universe That doesn't mean that everyone should jump on board Yeah, so I think there's space for if DC wanted to put a flag in the sand and say We are going to do standalone stuff Like I I think there's power in that Batman story and that you get to tie it off and end it Which you'll never get in comics and you'll never get in Marvel films really Like you'll never have the last Avengers film You'll just have the one that doesn't make money They'll never put. You'll never get an ending to that story. Ninja Turtles, three turtles in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. And given that Man of Steel is so different, I suppose I assumed it was a similar thing. I'm cool with that, really, because I do trust that they will. Like Batman's going to have a movie every few years, no matter where they are. I wonder if they're going to confuse
1: people if they do that, though, because because the Nolan films are so recent. There's only a year between the last Batman and Superman. Mm. I wonder if people are going to go expecting it to be part of. The the same universe, and then we'll see more white hot rage. Of yeah, well, it's not the same guy, this is not
0: the Batman from the movie last year. It'll be um. interesting because the inverse of that is that they will probably be having concerns that if they don't put Bruce Wayne Batman in there, mm. that the similar thing occurs like, oh, well, it needs to be Bruce Wayne because that's Batman. Yeah, what could go wrong? I suppose is the answer. We both love the first movie, the um, first Superman, um, yeah. Movie. <laughs> So I don't see how... I wasn't sure if you were being serious <laughs> or facetious then. I know I got really mad when Batman Begins, yep. which was sort of surprisingly great, Yeah, especially because it had you know the scarecrow in it from mm. the advertising and you're like, why? And I liked that approach Yep, um, of basically the first movie is just there to introduce the hero. And I remember when the second movie came out and people were like, Heath Ledger is Joker. And it was a similar thing. It was like white hot nerd rage... To crack the internet in half, hashtags were you know dancing in the street with Facebook likes. You know, no one knew yep. what was going on. So many hate, you guys, and then it came out and was just the best. Yeah, the best movie, and Heath Ledger was so good at it. Killed it. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't supposed to be. A, that wasn't supposed to be an inappropriate joke. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, and he nailed it. Yep. And I got infuriated when. And look, I've read comic books before i know what what, what qualifications do you have to comment on this (laughs) (laughs) and look bane judged Mm. on comic books is not that great and he's had some really good stuff written about him subsequently but certainly in his first appearances yeah he was just there as the story device to snap batman in half Mm. like he wasn't really a guy and so i understand when for the follow-up they were like we're gonna put bane in it I can see where people would come from and say, oh, that's going to be shit, Bane's awful. And I remember that it's so strange to think about it now that Avengers is such a big deal and Marvel's doing a good job, but Mm -hmm. I remember when Dark Knight came out and being surprised that this movie... Was not only an excellent comic book movie But sort of culture as a whole Was saying this is just a good movie Yeah Like it didn't feel like That had really happened before Yeah Really And to be in that position Where the team that made that movie Which everyone agreed was the best Mm. Like hands down Awesome Yep And then as soon as they announced Something of the new one Nerds are right back to being like You guys don't know what you're doing You don't (laughs) understand the Batman What do you have to do To, to, get a, to get a break. Yeah, to get See, some I was, cred.
1: I, I was, after the second movie, I was like, man, they could make Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh the villain in the next <laughs> Batman movie, and I would still go and watch that. You uh, need to be I making films. <laughs> so impressed by The Dark Knight that it, it wouldn't have mattered who they put in it. There was some talk, there was rumours and stuff floating around the internet that they were going to use Philip Seymour Hoffman as the penguin. and
0: Nice. There was like a fan-made poster that someone did for the Riddler in the style mm. of The Dark Knight that yeah. I think everyone just went, yep, yeah, please. That looks awesome. Let's get Jim Carrey back Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Well, definitely Jim Carrey's weird spandex pants. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan could have made those gritty and lived in. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. There's nothing about Ben Affleck that's, uh, that excites me, I suppose, about him being Batman, but I was He's... really taken aback with how hate-filled everybody was. He's
1: played some really fantastic parts in... Movies, So I I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on it. Like I said, I think he's got a great jawline to put under the
0: Yeah. because he's got that
1: humongous meaty head which <laughs> I'm just looking forward to him headbutting somebody.
0: Yeah. I wonder if we do a gravelly Batman voice. Here's
1: the thing about the bat voice, right? Everybody gets up in arms about the bat voice. When the first film came out, and I I've, I've been looking for the last when did the first film come out? Was it 2006 maybe? That makes sense. So seven years I've been looking for a forum to air this grievance. <laughs> now I've got my own podcast. justify I finally got a pulpit to stand up in front of and talk about this. Everybody hates on the bat voice. When the first movie came out, a website called it's called How It Works or How Does It Work com. Yeah. And they, they take a piece of technology or a piece of equipment and they tell you how it works. You know, creative name. <laughs> they did a how does it work on the tech of Batman Begins, yeah, and they talk about the bat suit. This article that they wrote reckons that there is a microphone in the neck piece of the bat suit, which does a modulation effect on his voice, so that he actually talks normally. But this thing, sort of, you know, like the throat cancer, yeah, thing that makes you talk, it's holy bat tracheotomy, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like that and it's built in there to disguise his voice so that he doesn't have to try to put on a fake voice. I really like that idea because it makes the whole thing make sense and a lot of the criticism in the third one in Dark Knight Rises was when Catwoman disappears from behind him and he goes, so that's what that feels like and he says it in the bat voice. Everyone goes, why does he talk in the bat voice when it's just him there? And the idea Mm. that there's this thing built into the bat suit that does it purely as a disguise mechanism – He's great. I I don't know why all of the nerds that are dissecting this thing on the internet, I don't know why more of them haven't stopped and gone, maybe it's just something, some sort of thing that's built into the suit as a disguise because he's pretty smart with... (laughs) Technology and disguises and stuff like that—he pulls off the alter ego thing kind of well. Yeah. Did it ever occur to anybody that maybe he went down to cheapest chips and bought a (laughs) two-dollar kids microphone and just meshed that into the bloody bat suit? Throat hole. Oh, I feel so much better now. I think we can stop recording. You've
0: clearly been carrying that around for a long time. I feel my
1: shoulders starting to relax.
0: It was one of those sort of cool comic book details in the first one where he just comes out. they They don't mention it, but he just, as Batman, puts on a voice. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I just really like that. Because of course he would. Because otherwise they'd be like, hey, Bruce Wayne, nice hat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Rides right, really low on your face. Getting back to the whole idea of geek ownership, you see it with
1: you see it with Star Wars as the the prime example of this, and probably because of the horrible, atrocious war crimes that George Lucas <laughs> has committed against such a beloved franchise. But Star Wars fans are the worst for this. Oh ma'am. Every little thing that Neckbeard does <laughs> is is under scrutiny and and he cops grief for, and some of it's warranted, i.e. Jar Jar Binks.
0: Yeah, not cool. Uh, the
1: thing where he changes the colour of Anakin Skywalker's eyes at the end of Return of the Jedi, I was like, eh. I wouldn't have even noticed if the internet hadn't made such an uproar about it, but if it made him feel better and made it feel like there was some continuity, because you know what would have happened, is they would have noticed after the first three films were made, if he hadn't done that when he re-released it, someone would have got on the internet and gone... His eyes change color. Yeah, what's up
0: with that? Hope someone got fired for Is that it blunder. The
1: <laughs> it's a strange thing to see this ownership of stuff that people love so so much.
0: The Star Wars one always fascinates me because it certainly appears to be that he's made this thing, and then out of nowhere, it's become loved to the point where people own it. Yeah, in their soul. Yep, they own it. Mm. I just wonder if he had to have the decision process of like, well, I feel like I own it and I was never happy with it, but he's never communicated that successfully to people. So they're like, this is perfect. Mm. And that tension between like an artist who doesn't like their work, but everyone loves it. Yeah. And the artist, like it's quite bold to say, well, no, it's actually still mine. I'm changing it however I want. It's that exchange you make as an artist. I think that's why... Even if people don't put it in those words, the rage of it is that yeah. an artist put his work out and everyone took it on board, which is an ultimate win art-wise, yep. and then came back and was like, lol, what, I actually want it back? <laughs> You're like, you can't
1: have it back, man. I wonder if as a filmmaker you end up in a situation where you've made the film because it's something you've really wanted to make and if, if that's the case for, for George, then why shouldn't he change it as much as he I can't believe I, those words just came out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> But if he's made it for himself and he's limited by the technology in the 70s and and 80s, then – and I think the argument then boils down even further to is it more artistic because it was made in such a low-tech way and that's what made it – so great and I think that's probably a big part of what people get up in arms about is that part of what made it so great and and still so great when you watch it now, even though the special effects don't necessarily hold up to what we're used to seeing today, is you get this feeling, it's it's got a very gritty feeling because they have smeared Vaseline over the camera lens and <laughs> they have gone and filmed in the actual desert instead of just generating an environment inside a computer. And I think that's, that's the most artistic part of, of Star Wars to me is what they accomplished in spite of what they had mm. available, not what they accomplished because of what they had available.
0: I think so. I think those... God, I'm deep. <laughs> you just blew my mind. Yeah, I think clearly you can see that the limitations gave Star Wars a power that, say, the prequels don't have. I just find the whole thing really interesting. It's another weird little wrinkle of it that George Lucas seems obsessed with modernising them. Like, looks at the original trilogy as deficient because the technology wasn't enough, yeah. but made the prequels, which have presumably the technology that he wants, and they're not as good. I just want to talk to him about it. Like, that <laughs> idea of, like, so you've always said that this one's not good enough because you don't have the computers – but then you get mm. the computers and they're not as interesting. Do you
1: think in the original three that there's, there's an element of your imagination that you still have to use, mm. like you do when you read a book? It's like horror you, films. Yeah, you, there's, there's a little bit that's left up to the viewer, whereas when you've got every single blade of grass rendered down to the tiny little bits of fluffy fur on them, there's not a lot for you to put into the characters and the landscapes. Yeah. And, I liked it when I was just creating
0: in my mind my own Jar Jar Binks. Out of whole cloth and was just like, "This is he's whatever I want him to be. Your mind is messed up. It's a good point because I remember... Uh, <laughs> what, that your mind's that, messed yeah, up? Yeah, it, makes, it <laughs> makes a lot of sense in a number of ways. Because, you know, in the first three movies, I remember being so invested in the Force and Jedis and lightsabers. yep, And the ideas in my head that that would conjure are not supported by the films, which no. is a Gramps shuffle fighting a robot in the first one for example (laughs) and then in the other one it's just like a guy and his dad and his dad's like do you want to hang out And he's like no and falls and then i think even in the end there's some cool lightning skeleton stuff but the lightsaber battles are never that dynamic in the original trilogy but in my child brain it was epic level much more epic yeah and you're right they would give you a gesture at all the elements they mm. were like the force can be used to move stuff and laser swords cut through anything and in my brain I think I fought like a hundred thousand laser sword battles and yep. it was the best yeah. whereas in the prequels where you see every Jedi fight every Sith at the same
1: time he loses a bit of the, the mystique have you seen that video that the guy made and it's an, an open letter to J.J. J. Abrams and it's done as an animation and it's what you need to do to make the new Star Wars movies really good and he talks about the parts of the Oh, yes. Have you seen this? Uh, I th- no. Oh. We'll pause and watch it. The points that that touches on that I find really poignant is that you get that element of, well, we have to shoot this somewhere real. We can't build a galactic Senate because we don't have the money. Yeah. So we'll shoot it in the desert. We're we'll going to shoot in the snow. We're we'll shooting in a forest. And you've got these real world environments done in a very non real world sort of way. And that, I think, is part of the beauty of the original films.
0: Well, I think so, and it makes the point, and it's a really good point and a well recognized one that Star Wars needs to be basically outside and dirty, yeah, and everything should be old. Yeah, um, Star Wars was awesome because it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but it's kind of the future, yeah, and that's just awesome for mm. some reason. And everything's brand new, but really old. Yes. And then you look at the prequels, and you're like, everything's shiny. Too shiny. Too shiny. shiny. I saw a great thing. Uh, I think it's it's probably quite well known. It's the guy who um, reviews movies on YouTube, and he's like a weird gravelly voice. Yes. Yes. But makes the point of just how many minutes in the prequels are spent on ships taking off and Landing, oh, right, and how, haven't seen that. how long it takes. Yeah. Like, he just go. it just does a super cut, it may just be its own thing of just all the long, boring ass shots of a ship circling, landing, the gear coming down, the door opening, and people starting to walk out. And it becomes really apparent that you're like, Wow, they just had the Wasted ability to so do much that. film time, yeah, to just do that. It's like you can see that, uh, someone presumably George Lucas, but someone was like. I never had the ability to show these ships taking off before. And so I'm just going to do it so hard. You're going to take off so well, baby. Whereas if if it was a car, you would just cut from them going, opening the door to them driving. Yeah. But because you can't, like it's, you can, but you shouldn't. And that happens a it's lot. A of a Jurassic Park thing. They were too busy worrying about whether they could that
1: they never stopped to think if they should. That's right. And yeah. that went terribly. Yes. <laughs> Dinosaurs <laughs> ate everybody. I think it uh, sums it c- up. Contrast that to the first, uh, to A New Hope, yeah. where they can't wait to get him out of the land speeder fast enough because yeah. <laughs> they know that the suspension of disbelief that this thing's actually floating when all yeah, they've exactly. done is smear some crap on the camera lens is not going to
0: last. <laughs> It says a lot that Boba Fett is, like, one of the most beloved characters for doing nothing. Yeah. Because he's just a blank dude. You project whatever you want onto him. And you go, man, that guy must have done so many bounty hunting. (laughs) Whatever.
1: (laughs) The other thing that bugs me about the films, though, is that... And whether Lucas has been directly involved with these, you'd have to think he had some sort of part in them, is that the games in the Star Wars universe and a lot of the extended fiction really tie in well with, uh, mm. with the movies and that, that whole expanded universe match up with that really nicely and I think prove that you can expand that universe without necessarily screwing it up as badly as, <laughs> as it
0: has been <laughs> screwed up. It can be dumb. I, speaking of expanded universe, I just got... Uh, Knights of the Old Republic on my iPad. Yeah. And all my nostalgia muscles are like stretched and burned. What did you have this on before? What, what platform? I had it on like the original Xbox. Oh, okay. And it's one of yep. my all time favorite games and ever. Now it's on something that you can fit in a bag and take it on the It doesn't make any you... sense, man. Is my, it good? Is like it is the, the, the gameplay? To... It's uh, it's like it identical a, it's identical? It's a complete port, like, yep. to the point where I'm, like, going through character creation. I'm like, that's what my Sith used to look like. <laughs> He's got the same weird pixel beard. <laughs> uh, like, it's exactly the same. It's amazing. They've just redone it to work as a touchscreen game. Yep. And it works really well. I mean, it's a turn-based role-playing game, so you don't need, like, Twitch stuff or anything. Mm. Um, you're just navigating your character around and then selecting combat options and stuff. So, it works... It's like the perfect thing. Mm. And because they've just straight ported it, the graphics don't need to be that good. Yep. Um, but man, it's so good. But yeah, it just like I used to pick up my Xbox and then have to like ice my back down because it was so heavy. Like the, the original Xbox was messed I re- up. I really thought you were going to say, just from the actions
1: that you're doing that no one else can see. Yeah. I really thought you were going to say you used to pick up your Xbox and cuddle it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not for the, broadcast, the, well, man. The best part was that if you did say
0: that, There was not going to be any surprise in this room at all. Moving on from the no judgments. (laughs) But that's the thing. It used to require an Xbox to play this game. And now my iPad, like I'm still, I've had my iPad for maybe uh, a year now. And I'm still doing that thing where I put it on the ground and I'm like, oh, I'm like Puddle Lane. (laughs) Do you remember Puddle Lane? I do remember Puddle Lane. Which I think points out what I'm saying. Because if you put on a show today where the whole conceit was that It was a puddle that you could watch movies in. People would be like, that's budget technology. Yeah. You know? Like, their whole thing was that you could look at a movie on the floor. And now I put my iPad there, my cat shits itself. It's incredible. (laughs) And that's the thing. I'm just sitting there on the ground playing Knights of the Old Republic on a thing that doesn't exist. It's just a screen with a back on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, ain't technology grand? I can assure you, though, that nothing impresses other business tram commuters more than sitting next to a bro (laughs) busting out some nuts in the Old (laughs) Republic. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of uh, side glances, which I assume are envy, probably probably. mixed with a bit of, um, like, just attraction, animal attraction.
1: People hoping that you're wearing a name badge to work so that they can go and add you on Facebook. Exactly. But they can't. There's a part of me that really hopes that we're not overly successful with this podcast because the last thing that I want is for someone in Hollywood to get a hold of this particular episode yep. and decide that Michael
0: Bay should direct Puddle Lane, the <laughs> movie. <laughs> Explosion Lane. When I sit here, can you tell that there's a huge hole like in the sort of crotch area of my pants? <laughs> I couldn't
1: until... <laughs> Until you mentioned it and now I can look at nothing else.